0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Purple Theory Podcast. My name is Grant McAlliard, and I have alongside with me, as always, my co-host, Parker Fleming. Parker, I have two questions for you. One, as always, how are you doing? Uh, Second, uh, what was your top song on your Spotify wrapped this year?
1: My top song on my Spotify wrapped was Seven and Seven by Turnpike Troubadours. Which I'm really proud of because Turnpike has been my top artist the last like five years, but I think it just it it just speaks how uh, speaks to the fact that this entire year I've I've I just needed to go back to the well. I've needed something that's familiar and something that gets me through, and that's that's where I've ended up more often than not.
0: I like it. I like it. What was your what was your top That's one of those (coughs) uh, nothing happy. It was uh, Clay Pigeons by Blaze Foley. Oh my god. Which uh, yeah. It was a tough time there for a while this year, but, you know, we're we're pulling out of it. It's still a very well-written song. Um, I think when John Prine died, because he has a great cover of it, uh, I went back and started listening to the Blaze Foley version that wanted to be in number one. Uh, so, R. R. Uh, uh, I think... R.I.P. John Prine. And I, think, I think I've used Clay Pigeons as an intro to a, a game recap <laughs> after a particularly depressing TCU performance. <laughs> I'm not sure which one it was, but... Yeah. Um Well... We have one more scheduled game this year.
1: No, a lot
0: of rumors. Do we, did we officially schedule another one?
1: Oh, sorry. I thought you, uh, sorry. I thought you were saying like, this is the last one. We only have one. You're saying there has been an addition to the schedule.
0: I'm saying we have, well, I'm saying you tell me what is left on the schedule, Parker, because I'm still not clear what's official and what's not
1: breaking. No breaking news. They've signed the contract, Louisiana tech, TCU, in fort worth december okay. 12th so TCU okay. that's what i games. thought
0: that's what i thought i just wanted to make sure we were, we were on the same page there yeah so last big 12 game of the year for tcu coming up oklahoma state this weekend on saturday uh before we get there louisiana tech thoughts
1: yeah i gotta look into them they've been struggling a little bit uh their offensive coordinator todd fitch went to vanderbilt he's currently acting regional also manager. struggling there At Vanderbilt well I I mean their their defense or their offense had been better this year uh just not good um and so yeah so they they've been struggling a little bit Skip Holtz you know is just down there doing his thing in in Louisiana Tech Mm -hmm. so I'll have to look into them I know they lost uh, um their quarterback uh Levi Lewis is at Louisiana their quarterback was Jamar Smith who's a little bit of a loose cannon Uh, in multiple fronts, on and off the field, and and they lost him, and have been uh, not as good as they were two years ago. But yeah, I'm. I, I will have to break down the numbers on them. I'm excited to get another opponent. We had uh, an interesting guest lined up for next week, but I think we're going to bump that one week just to uh, mm-hmm. kind of get the regular season flow back in. So,
0: you know, I tweeted this when all the discussion was flying around about who TCU might add. That if TCU had scheduled another Texas opponent. I would have been very angry no matter who that was, whether it was SMU or UNT or Houston, or like I would have been mad if they had scheduled Rice. I don't care. Um, there's just no upside to playing another team in Texas. But you go to Louisiana, you know, you welcome Louisiana Tech in. Um, Gary Patterson loves stealing players from Louisiana uh, in, in recruiting battle, so at least give them some exposure there. And they're not necessarily a – great team um so tcu should probably be favored there and i don't have a problem with adding uh, louisiana tech to the schedule do you
1: no i i like it i think it's a little bit more respectable than a um than you know like an fcs game but i want that spirit of an fcs game of like hey we're gonna Mm -hmm. we want the practice reps we want the focus and the game planning but we don't want to go play someone who's potentially going to beat us and leave even more of a stink or a pallor on this, uh, on this season. So I think that works out Louisiana tech. If I have it, if I'm looking at this right, has fallen in SP plus every week, uh, this season. So they're, they're, they're kind of struggling They're They're down. And so I think that, um, this could be a game TCU could win and win, uh, decisively and kind of in the, in the regular season on a high note, keep up the momentum heading into those bowl practices
0: a uh, little little two-question Louisiana Tech trivia here for you, Parker. Uh, where is the Louisiana Tech?
1: Terry Bradshaw. No, sorry. Um, oh,
0: that was the other question. How'd you get that one
1: already? <laughs> I think I've already talked about my eighth-grade English teacher only having one book about football on her bookshelf, and that being Terry yes, Bradshaw's right. autobiography, and me reading that like six times. Um, Louisiana Tech is in Ruston, Louisiana.
0: Very good. Um, which Very is good.
1: Uh, about an hour and a half east of Shreveport on I-20.
0: You have exhausted by the Louisiana Tech knowledge. Uh, congratulations, you may cross the bridge. Uh, yeah, no, I I think it's going to be good. And again, I'm always excited to watch TCU football. That's halfway, a lie. But I'm glad to get at least one week more to pad the win total. Um, okay, anything else, Parker, that you wanted to talk about before we get to Oklahoma State? Any national stories, anything like that?
1: No, I'm like starting to get, I mean, I'm starting to get mad about Ohio State ending up in the playoff, and the Big Ten is going to change their rules and let Ohio State in the Big Ten championship, even though they don't have the minimum threshold of games and yada yada. But you know, the playoff was made for Ohio State, and Ohio State was made for the playoff, and the playoff is entirely based on how many people they can get to watch it uh, reasonably. So you know, they can't like they can't just only pick the best, uh, the biggest fan bases. But if they have any excuse to get a big fan base over a smaller fan base, they're going to do everything in their power to uh, to make it happen. So um, I had a tweet today I was really proud of that kind of captured the sentiment of just like, college football for you know 95% of America is, hey, I love Saturdays in the fall. I love having a beer at Dutch's or your favorite local bar, walking across campus and watching my alma mater play. And ESPN execs are like, uh, what if we charge five hundred dollars a ticket to make you go to a neutral site, and those three games are the only thing that's important? Like, like Kirk Herbstreit so, saying, "Like, oh man, college football doesn't matter to the people who aren't in the playoff." Is like that Woody Harrelson wiping your eyes with money. Uh, gift, right? right so like you, cr- right. you did this. This was you, not just ESPN yes. generally. Like you, Kirk street specifically
0: did this. Well, hold on. I like Kirk Herbstreit during games. I think sure. it's a great color analyst sure. during games. Um, I, I, I will kind of offer a middle ground there. And that while I do hate those like made for TV matchups and I, like I really hated it when TCU and Ohio state swapped a home and home for the one game in Jerry world. Um, I think this is a weird year in that like Ohio state's best win, if they make the playoff, is going to be Indiana. Most likely um, Notre Dame and Clemson's best win will be each other assuming one of them makes it, it'll be whichever team beats the other. And then we don't really have any other good wins. Carolina is a fine team, but they're not that great. Um, yeah,
1: Clemson beat Miami pretty soundly and Miami's top 10. Like Miami's pretty good. I respect Miami.
0: That, top 10, man. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I've been asleep. It's just, I, I think that those sort of non-conference, really, really interesting scheduled games do offer a lot of, um, Merit when it comes to evaluating teams like Alabama for a while that you know they scheduled USC and played them, and I think USC's quarterback got hurt. I think oh, that happened next year with Florida State when Alabama played Florida State. But at least they were scheduling those teams. You know, it's like hey, they beat them. They wound up not being that good, but it's still a marquee Power Five team that they played. And I think this year is going to be really interesting in evaluating Ohio State, Notre Dame, Clemson, all those teams because they're not getting challenged by other really good teams. That's not to say they don't deserve to get in because they do. It's just kind of hard to evaluate their resume if you will which is a really crappy sports radio opinion but i also think it's true this year uh more than any other year
1: yeah i mean i think it's a hundred percent if they get ohio state into the playoff this year and they only have six wins and their only wins are wisconsin and indiana i think it's western
0: indiana most likely, most likely
1: well it's true so even even worse um just saying like man
0: uh yeah, it, it it's very stinks. Convenient. Very convenient. It stinks, but Ohio State is good. They are good. Like they're a really it's fine. good team.
1: Absolutely, Ohio State was good in 2014. Ohio State also lost at home by multiple scores to Virginia Tech, who lost to James Madison. Mm-hmm. Like some things have to matter, and they have to matter consistently. But they don't matter consistently. The only thing that matters consistently is when things are even close. We're going to go with the bigger fan base.
0: Hundred percent. Offer a counterpoint of that nothing really matters.
1: Well, life, life is what you make it in many ways.
0: Hannah Montana said that, or Hillary Duff.
1: Which one was that? I think Hillary Duff said, Let the rain fall down and oh, wash over me. I don't Life's
0: what no. you make it, so let's make it right was definitely a quote from one of those shows. I don't remember, but yeah, no, I know what you mean. And honestly, I'm still trying to find a way, as I'm sure you are, to get Coastal Carolina or BYU or Cincy into the playoffs, and we might get that. Liberty yeah, can't okay. play this week.
1: My, my double secret BYU sources told me that the truck has been loaded and is headed east. I think it's happening. I think the big thing is they just got to get Liberty um, taken care of there uh, because Liberty appears to, one, be failing COVID protocols and potentially uh, avoiding them entirely. Other yeah, it's Yeah, all sorts of things. And so um, I think that would be one of the more fun college football things to happen in a long time to get kind of – I mean, we, I, we've we seen this year that college football scheduling does not require six years of notice. It doesn't require that yeah. I send a, a signed and notarized letter to your great-grandfather who buries it in the ground, and we dig it out 100 years later, and then we play that year. And this is a great example of the kind of fun things that, I, I don't want to say fringe because it sounds derogatory, but these schools kind of on the margin- could do to potentially enhance their national profile. They're going to make a lot of, a lot of money off these games. Um, so I, I think this is really, really interesting for the future of the sport.
0: I do too. And you kind of think of the world of possibilities there. I mean, if you have say, you know, the top G five programs, right. If, if they leave a slot open on their schedule every year to say, Hey, all right. You know, we know going into the year Cincy will be good, Boise state will be good. You know, insert other g5 team here will be good and they begin a couple more ucf coastal all that at the beginning at the beginning of the year leave a slot open on your schedule and then about week five when you realize what the contender the other contender is in the g5 say hey y'all want to play a game and just go from there i mean because that's the only way some of these teams are going to get into the playoff is by beating everyone else and establishing themselves as the dominant g5 team
1: I think a, a late October open week where conferences enter into yep. agreements and I know the Power 5 would probably never do this but you could get the Mountain West, the American, the Sun Belt and BYU uh with some contingencies if BYU's bad. They've had some down years and say like, "Hey, we're going to we're going to seed the top 4 and we're going to play each other this this weekend." Uh and I think that would be a uh, a huge revenue driver, but it would also be a really really good way to um I think it would be good for the sport. I, I know that yeah. I know that the G five teams will never agree to a playoff because that's a de facto concession that they're never going to make the playoff, yeah. but you're never going to make the playoff. That's, that's not happening. That's yeah. that's how things work. Um, This year might be it, different it, just because things are so weird, but unless you start, unless you start going out of your way to make it crazy, these things are not going to happen.
0: I was about to say, if they don't make it this year, they're not going to make it any year. Can I also share I, this thought just hit me at the top of the head. If Coastal okay I want Coastal to play BYU. But if Coastal plays Liberty and Liberty beats Coastal, Hugh Freeze might get a Power 5 job again.
1: I think Hugh Freeze and That might
0: be the outcome.
1: Get a Power 5 combined. job regardless. Hugh Freeze is getting a Power 5 job.
0: I know, I just want to make sure that it happens. Not because he deserves it or that it's like the right thing, but it will be the funny thing.
1: Well, there is no morality in coach hiring. Like I'm not I'm not going to sit here and
0: pretend You're right. You're right.
1: So I'm not, uh, I'm not as worried about that. I'm just, yeah. In terms of storylines, like one, he can win. And I think there are plenty of places he would be hilarious at. Also, I will say I'm not defending. uh, I'm not defending anything he did and anything that he got recruits, you know, hooked them up with whatever, Mm -hmm. but I will say he was cheating at recruiting. He's slimy. But there's it's not like he was I mean, there 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 I, I don't know that I want to go down this entire thing, but it's like he's not Art Bryles. He's not Bobby Petrino.
0: No, he's not. He's he he's did a, well, he's a dick yeah, and he is slimy. Yeah.
1: But there, I think there's a defined line between what he was doing and what uh and and and, I, and I, those two. <laughs>
0: I think the hospital bed made it worse for being on. The
1: hospital bed is just sheer comedy. I think he knows that was funny. I'm inclined to believe that Hugh Freeze <laughs> knows that was funny.
0: <laughs> that's that's one of the best nights on Twitter I can remember. Is when he coached or didn't even really coach, just watched a game from a hospital bed.
1: He watched it on his iPad with his reading glasses on. Yeah, I don't. Yeah.
0: And, and to be clear, Hugh Freeze was not on the verge of death. If he was, we would not be making these jokes. Um, he just rolled up to watch that game in a hospital bed. In he a very gurney,
1: easily could have not been in a hospital bed. <laughs> yeah,
0: he yeah, did not need to be in one. Anyway, um, yes, so that would also be a very funny outcome. Okay, Parker, do we all continue to want to talk about coaches that are very funny at their current position, have done some questionable things moral-wise, and also are pretty good at coaching offense?
1: I don't have anything else to say about Tom Herman, but if you wanted to start uh... –
0: I'd
1: even draw a line between uh, I'd even draw Mike. I, I'm i not going to comment on the morality of Mike Gundy's decisions. I'm just going to say he's made dumb ones. That's, that's the bubble I'm going to put that in.
0: Yes. I think that I think any same strategically, agree.
1: strategically ill-advised decisions for someone in his position in his time and place is what I'll say about Gundy.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> he's one of those coaches that, the shtick has worn off. And I think we could say that as um, two people that uh, run a podcast in which the shtick may have worn off. Um,
1: yeah. I just, I think that like, I mean, it would be a different thing if he was beating Oklahoma, like once every four years, instead of once of every 19 or whatever, like yeah, when it, winning, winning, winning cares a lot of, uh, a lot of problems. And
0: when I, yeah when i when i worked at big 12 diehards gundy was a source of clicks i mean the man was a content machine he, he took his shirt off i remember at the basketball media days um it's like him and mason rudolph both pop top uh, in gallagher iba arena and it was a, uh, it was really funny um but now it's like all right man like hey maybe you know the whole you know i'm a man i'm 40 thing that's great uh the orangest video of all time, by the way, Gundy's a tan fella. Uh, his background was orange. His shirt was orange. Watch that video now. It, it is incredible to watch visually. It's an assault on the senses. Um, and now he's just kind of a caricature that wins eight games a year. Maybe not.
1: And and never, he he never wins as few. He never wins few enough to like make it where he's had a bad season. But he perpetually never wins as many as he should have. Or should be
0: or that you think or that you think he does.
1: I'm convinced that he is chronically overprojected. Like I I don't know what it is with SP Plus, but I mean, SP plus has them in the top twenty every year in the preseason. And I mean, sure, Gundy's like fine at developing, but also I just think just systematically overrating the fact that he 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 knows offense um I, I i just don't understand i think they're chronically over uh overperforming like so someone on twitter i can't remember who it is but responded like can can tcu and and oklahoma state swap coaches i was like no i wouldn't do that for a million dollars no like,
0: no i no. wouldn't do that for no. anything it, uh, not it might now be more not fun, five years we, in the
1: future not five it, years ago like no
0: oh god it might be more fun but TCU would lose more games mm-hmm. depending on what your uh, you know uh, opinion of fun and your goals are i i yeah. Gundy, I'll say this: for all of the stuff that we just said about Gundy, I watched a couple of Oklahoma State's games today. Rewatching that man, the guy does know how to coach offense. I mean, his 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 plays are are are, are really entertaining. Um, he knows how to spread the field. He has really, actually, pretty interesting run packages. He's not afraid to use the pistol, um, but but he'll have his his lineman like pull run a lot of really really interesting. Uh, Lyman stunts out of shotgun out of pistol all that um, Carter Ware would fit perfectly in the Oklahoma State offense uh, because they they kind of used a cowboy position or the the, the kind of fullback tight end hybrid type thing uh, and they're really really smart with how they use that position to block and run out into short flat passing routes and all that um, the offense is a ton of fun to watch it just doesn't always produce winning results
1: yeah. And I think they're, they're definitely humming this year with, um, you know, Casey Dunn, who's kind of a Gundy guy. They, I was really excited about Sean Gleason last year and yeah, on all accounts, Gleason had a great playbook and, uh, a, 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 an incompatible uh, demeanor disposition with the way that Gundy liked to do things. And so that kind of fell through. Um, but man, yeah, I, I think Casey Dunn one cool opportunity for him too. I think that they they're, they're struggling on offense. Like I'm not gonna, you can't, you can't code that. Um, they're, they're uh, they're 58th right now on offense and in, in SB plus. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and that is well below where you kind of expect them to be with Spencer Sanders, taking another step forward, potentially he's been injured. They've had to deal with Illingworth That's definitely a part of it. Uh, but, but yeah, so I think, I think that they are kind of a weird team in that they're basically just really experienced on defense. And I don't know if that means mm-hmm. good but it does mean that they are playing well on defense. Um, and then the offense has been exciting at times, but on the aggregate kind of struggle just because they haven't had good quarterback, good, consistent quarterback play. Their offensive lines had a couple issues that weren't really. Um, I mean, you forget they, they lost two starters, I believe at the beginning of the year before a game yeah. was played on the offensive line. So, so a lot of uncertainty there.
0: They did, and then as we were talking about beforehand, uh, their top-rated offensive lineman, uh, Tevin Jenkins, who had a 92 uh, overall grade from PFF, uh, opted out of the season two days ago. To focus on the NFL draft, I uh, respect his decision to go get that money. I respect anyone's decision to opt out, but it really hurts Oklahoma State. Um, and, yes, their offense has not been up to, sn- to snuff, especially not the part. For Oklahoma State, historically, uh, I do think Illingworth plays a large role in that, and also Sanders is what still a redshirt freshman, right? Still adjusting.
1: I think he's a, oh, redshirt a sophomore. sophomore, sorry. I, he he I, was a red freshman last year. Yeah.
0: I promise I'm not an idiot. I get Spencer Sanders and Spencer Rattler mixed up. Half the time I talk about them. So you just have to bear with it me. It is there. so confusing
1: um, that there's two Oklahoma quarterbacks and they're both named Spencer. That seems that seems uh, ill advised.
0: Yes. And both have a very similar skill set, although Rattler is noticeably better than Sanders is. Sanders is a decent runner though. Um yes. Yeah, so, so do you want to talk about the Oklahoma State offense? Wanna go a little offense defense here?
1: Yeah, let's, um, let's do that. Uh, I've noticed a couple things. So let me give some big picture stuff. So um, I have Oklahoma State uh, only 81st in EPA per pass. They're equally at 81st in EPA per, per rush. They are 22nd in, in quality possessions granted. So I'm calling quality possessions uh, first downs inside your opponent's 40. Um okay. And so kind of scoring opportunities or if you have a big play touchdown. So those are quality possessions. So they're getting a lot of opportunities and it seems like they're kind of struggling on those, Um, particularly on early downs, Grant. They're the 94th worst team in early downs, first and second down EPA. That is not unrelated to their preferred method of moving the ball, which is rushing. Oklahoma State is rushing the ball on 59% of their first and second downs. A lot of that is style and scheme. Uh, a lot of that is Spencer Sanders under development as a passer and him being more prone to rushing very similar to what we see like from TCU. Um, and so those two things combined and, and Oklahoma state is rushing the ball perhaps more than they have ever, uh, which is just, well, just kind of weird. I w- I would throw well, that there. that's true. Well, Barry Sanders getting, uh, uh, getting holes blocked open by Doug Meacham, uh, which <laughs> is a, a fun fact that you forget same on the same team at the same time, starting Thurman Thomas, Barry Sanders, Mike Gundy, Doug Meacham. Wild. Just wild.
0: Oh, pokes. I I almost pulled up that uh, 1988 season for Barry Sanders just to read the stats on this podcast to fill time.
1: Well, I I was trying to – I spent an embarrassing amount of time this afternoon trying to find a picture of Doug Meacham from that team. And I cannot because he was an offensive lineman, and now he is like svelte. And so I thought that would be a great podcast idea – if I could find a picture of him on that roster be like, man, you were chunky and big and you're like living as a human. Cause one it's, ju- it's not just the weight loss after being a, uh, an offensive lineman, but it's like the, your, your joints and your knees and your lower back, just carrying that much weight and that much stress and, and playing offensive line. And so I was like, man, I would love to talk to Dub Meacham about like how he went from offensive yeah, lineman I, to,
0: I, I found him in pads. I found him in pads
1: yeah, I think I saw one, one or two, but nothing that I was like, oh, this is like the interesting. Oh, this is yeah. clearly
0: Doug Meacham. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot he was a lot of on that team. That is nuts. He um, actually
1: coached offensive line at uh, Oklahoma State for a little bit.
0: He did. I had a lot of pictures of him there. Uh, he, man, if he I'm is, not mistaken, he's got it. A-
1: if I'm not mistaken, Chad Glasgow also has an Oklahoma State connection. I think he coached there for a little bit or went there.
0: I think he did. Did you see the... This is great. Uh, yeah, podcasting is a visual medium. Did you see the picture of him uh, black and white looking into the camera at Oklahoma State?
1: No. No. You have to send me that one. I didn't see okay,
0: that. I, will, I will text it to you. Um, also, he, there's a picture of him coaching where he looks like Evan Felker of Turnpike Troubadours. Interesting. Um, yes. Okay. Uh, I'm sending you the black and white picture now. Yes. So, um, Oklahoma State running the ball more than really they ever have. Um, Chuba Hubbard obviously. Okay. Like We joke about him a lot. He is a decent and good running back but they also have desmond jackson they have ld brown guys like that that can pick up the slack when uh hubbard is not in there um and then sanders is pretty capable on the ground as well so while yes you're going to get more yards passing while oklahoma state does have a talented receiving core they also have good running backs so i don't you know i i, I could see them wanting to get involved uh they probably are relying on that a little little more than they should
1: yeah, I, I think so. And I think that they've uh, a lot of that is probably just because they had Illingworth in there and they were uncertain yep. of how to kind of go forward. And and also some of that, I think, is residual of like, hey, Chuba Hubbard had a good year last year, so he should have a good year again this year. But unfortunately, that's not how um, that college works. running backs works. Yeah, that's that's past past performance is not indicative of uh, future success. And so, um, yeah, the thing I'm really interested in grant, I was kind of getting a little granular with like some of their breakdowns. And what I think is most interesting is, um, obviously they're targeting Tylen Wallace, um, downfield. And I yes, think that's, so, so they're, they're targeting Tylen Wallace just generally. Um, he has 73 targets. He's leading their team. One thing I think is super interesting about that is that last year, Tylen Wallace largely got the ball kind of outside, um, in the screen, right. They would do a lot of like mm-hmm. RPO and either you, you know, pick your poison. Like Chuba Hubbard is going to run against a light box. Or if the safety comes crashing down, we're going to throw it to Wallace on the edge and he's going to get space. What I think is interesting is Tylen Wallace has uh, 20 attempts, 20 targets further than 20 yards uh, outside the numbers. And he's caught 10 of them. And he's caught seven of 16 that Sanders has thrown to him. And so that feels like kind of that deep over the top. I know that TCU has been torched in the past by um, Austin. uh, Dylan Stoner, Austin Stogner plays for Oklahoma. That's another tricky one. Uh, Dylan Stoner, who's been at Oklahoma State for presumably 15 years. Dylan
0: Stoner has been there since Brandon Whedon was throwing passes at Oklahoma State. Easily.
1: I I believe that Moses came down from the mountain and said, Dylan Stoner, get out of my way for a second. Um, (laughs) Yeah. In this in this joke, Moses is playing Oklahoma State. Too. That really falls <laughs> this joke, Mount quickly. Sinai,
0: Mount Sinai is in Stillwater. Uh,
1: I have no desire to hear. Major. I have no desire to hear Mike Gundy's thoughts about Mount Sinai. Um, <laughs> that was it's a form, the
0: Appalachians. That was a yeah. foreign policy <laughs>
1: joke. That was very funny. Uh, so, Spencer Sanders, <laughs> seven of sixteen outside and to his right. Uh, Outside the numbers, 20 yards, 204 yards, one touchdown, a 90.6 pro football focus grade, which is his highest area overall, which is scary when a quarterback is able to throw it downfield like that, especially when TCU has, uh, I feel like one and a half is generous amount of cornerbacks that they have. I feel like one and a half is too many. TCU has one and a third maybe. And obviously, Trevious Trevious Hodges Tomlinson is going to be on, Tylen Wallace. I think that's a matchup that works out really, really well, but he is going to get tested multiple times and Oklahoma state watch them under Gundy is going to do everything they can do. They are going to line up in the diamond formation. They're going to motion out of it last week against Texas tech. They were doing this, like what, what the, what the real coaches call it is a check with me. And so mm-hmm. what you do is mm-hmm. you line up in a formation from how, what I understand. And uh, and you do a hard count and you see what the defense does. You motion, then you look at the coach to get the actual play call. And so you can kind of like align yep. these formations a little bit. So a lot of that trying to get Hodges Tomlinson out of position, trying to get Tyler Wallace in one-on-one, trying to go over the top. And I think we'll see more of Stoner than they've seen this season so far, just because I do think that what they'll try and do is kind of that um, punch counter punch and say, hey, if you're going to shut down Wallace, we're going to spread you out and then try and find Stoner kind of in that mid-range. And that's what I'm a little bit worried about. Stoner's largely been used kind of close to the line of scrimmage, but a lot of that is just because Shane Ellingworth and Spencer Sanders haven't been as good this year. And so they can't really I, get well, those downfield threats in into multiple receivers in multiple situations.
0: Yeah, I agree. So I, while Sanders hasn't been, I think, as efficient as he was last year, I think their Oklahoma State's willingness to throw down the field to Wallace is indicative of the fact that they trust Sanders to open it up a bit more. Now that he is, a again, a sophomore, not a freshman, as I correctly said the first time on this podcast and nailed it um, immediately. Um, also last year, you know, again, past performance is not necessarily indicative of future results, but Stoner had three catches for 93 yards and two touchdowns against TCU. Um, Wallace was out that game. Uh, so he was the number one receiver. Um, now that he's number two and Wallace is back in, I am not necessarily confident that the TCU defense can slow down Dylan Stoner. Um, especially if they're focusing all the efforts on slowing down Tyler Wallace, by the way, Parker last year, did, did you look at the stats from last year TCU Oklahoma State? No,
1: I thought you were gonna talk about the fact that we all found out about the Thailand Wallace issue because an Oklahoma State undergrad texted or tweeted and said, Hey, yes. I just talked to Thailand, his ACL's torn, and Blue Check Twitter yes. lost their minds because it was right. That was wild. <laughs> so,
0: but first off, I'm gonna say something nice real quick. Both of you were both of us were at that game. Um, right? You went to Stillwater last year?
1: No, hell no. No, no, no. I got oh, very
0: drunk at home
1: oh. and alone in Fort
0: Worth. Yeah. Oh, okay. Colin Post is at that game. Shout out Colin Post, TC3. That's who I was thinking of. Um, I love Stillwater. Very it's fun great. place to cover. The one time I've been it's there, great.
1: very nice. Everybody was very nice to me. We we had some had fun. Yeah.
0: Yes, we had a good time. Do you know what the passing and rushing splits were, uh, play call wise for Oklahoma State last year?
1: Oh, I okay. i bet oh, they... Okay,
0: I'll I'll boil it down a bit. Oklahoma State ran 56 plays. How many passes did they throw? Seventeen. Fifteen. They ran it 41 yep. times. Yep, 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 yep. Cause that that is second insane, half, insane man. That second
1: half was like 17. Because TCU drove all that second half, and they, they yep. really would have won the game if. I guess he's gone, so whatever. Well, yep. no, we were happy about the Duggan picks, remember, because he hadn't been throwing the ball downfield all,
0: all season. <laughs> that's true. That's true.
1: Right? Like that's how that's how messed up last year <laughs> no, was. We were, like, we oh, were. thank you for yeah, letting yeah, him yeah. throw downfield. Uh, T.C. was driving and John Stevens Jr. put the ball on the ground like he he was getting tackled and he was holding the ball like a loaf of bread and he literally just bounced it off the ground and gave it to Oklahoma State It's terrible.
0: He did do that. Yes. Um, okay. Well, that's a good transition sort of into uh, Oklahoma State defense.
1: Wait, can we, we should, I should rattle yes. off some basics. I'm so bad about the go basics ahead, of go the ahead. defense. Go These ahead. are stats we did. Like, so what's interesting is their, um, their, their rushing success rate is 39, which is 102nd in the nation, but their explosiveness is 47th. So like they are just, they're just adhering to the adage that explosiveness is a function of volume, which it is to some extent, but they're rushing a ton. And it's super, um, super not going like power success rate is 81, 81st stuff rate is 85th in the nation. They are, they are not rushing the ball. Well, they're just rushing the ball a lot Um, in the passing success rate only 42%. And that's 63rd. Uh, And so I think there's some, some real glaring inefficiency I think this team is more similar to Kansas state on offense than you want to believe kind of knowing Gundy and knowing Kleiman. Um, and, and, and that's kind of the offense we're going to see is this, uh, hoping they can break something big, uh, having those downfield threats, but a lot of this is going to be kind of this inefficiency, uh, on both sides of the ball there. And so, um, that I think is, is super interesting. Um, if you look at kind of their, I'm always interested in like, who's, uh, you know, top, top targets, and Wallace mm-hmm. has 73 targets and Stoner only has 37. Uh Brandon Braden Johnson has has 30, him and Landon Wolf are kind of playing those third options. But outside of that, I mean it's 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 if the ball is getting passed it's going to Wallace or Stoner um almost you know 10 times out of 12. Um and so I think that is that's pretty interesting just because multiplicity is what really really kills you and they they haven't mm-hmm. really been multiple Really kills TCU. They haven't been multiple um, outside of uh, uh, those two guys. So they do have a one-two option, but outside of that, they haven't really been there. Um, the other thing I think is really really interesting is that they're they're running inside zone a ton, a ton, uh, yeah, like it's a hundred and a hundred and what twenty of their rushing attempts have been uh, middle right, middle left, which is just inside zone. They will hit the outside zone, though, and I think that's where TCU is going to get caught up is, is that switch from inside to outside zone because that's just going to be like a little bit of a subtlety shift. If you remember last year, a lot of the problem with TCU was one that Garrett Wallow got held on a Chuba Hubbard run, and that was 92 yeah, yards. Yeah, he and, really did. Yeah, uh, that, that colored our perception of the game. But when Oklahoma State was getting chunk plays, it was a lot of the defensive end getting sealed. And Mm -hmm. so I'm interested to see kind of with that, you know, zone, zone read, uh, and that outside zone combo, what they're going to be able to do with TCU's defensive ends who have been playing better as of late, but are not what traditionalists would call good. So
0: I would agree. Uh, So I'll, I'll, I'm not rebutting your points, just commenting on them um, as I can remember them. Uh, I I agree that they rely on inside zone a ton. I do think they disguise it kind of well, if you can do that with inside zone. By the way, they shift their alignment by the way they arrange their backs in the backfield. Um, They'll use pistol. They'll throw the the cowboy quote. I hate that term, but the cowboy back back there a lot, and that could be confusing for defenses. Um, You're right in that they do go to Stoner and uh, Wallace a ton. The, I did watch the exception that proved the rule earlier today, and I sent you the video. Uh, I watched the, uh, the Oklahoma State Iowa State game, and Jelani Woods, their tight end, basically ran the Pro Wells play exactly and scored a touchdown on it. Um, so they do have that in the arsenal. Yeah, the world's most dangerous play.
1: I love the um, Pro Wells play. I'm would, gonna I'm gonna write about the yeah. Pro Wells play and some air raid stuff I've been learning from Coach. Cold harp who's who's a genius and just really good yeah. at laying this stuff out i've been going through one of his courses i've decided grant that saturday mornings i'm gonna have a cup of coffee and write a couple thousand words about a tcu play so look for that Love on that. purple theory uh on, on saturday morning um yes i i think that they have a bunch of traditional air raid concepts kind of put in there the 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 thing that really gets me is the and then we should talk about defense you're right is the cowboy yeah. position is kind of like Defenses now will call that like floating safety, the Jack or the star. Or yeah. Oh, whatever. it's dumb, but anyway, it exists. Like, it's the, it's the nickel. It's a safety. It's, yeah, fifth. Right, it's, right. it's that's what it is. I don't understand right. what happened. And no, I think no, it's, it's nickel back. It's the dumb. band is so uh, uh, offensive that no one can call their safety a nickel safety anymore.
0: Uh, if everyone cared, was your number three song on Spotify this year? right? Um, okay. Look, man, uh, yes. One last thing. To go to defense. Are
1: we having fun yet? <laughs>
0: Uh, we had to go no huddle because you have Twitter questions. I do want to make one point. You mentioned chunk plays last year. Their Oklahoma state's touchdowns were 57, 22, 92 and 62 yards. So yes, chunk plays are important. For
1: it's Oklahoma exactly state. like Kansas state is very similar to the Kansas state offense. Very yep. similar, yep. except with Absolutely. good receivers. Yeah
0: uh, Oklahoma state, they run the three, four defense. Uh, the defensive coordinator is Jim Knowles, who came over a couple years ago. He was at Duke before that, or he had eight years, uh, at Duke. Um, he's standout a names. Year. He is having a good year. Oklahoma state's defense is much improved. Um, I've been high on a lot of these guys for a couple years, but, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, a linebacker, Colby Harville Peel at safety, uh, guys like that are having a, um, a really good year. Amen. And I am very sorry to amen, uh, Ogbog Bomiga, um, I'm just gonna call him Amen, number 07, the good. linebacker.
1: That felt yeah, close. I was, yeah,
0: that that felt good off the tongue. Um having a great, great season. Uh, Rodarius Williams, cornerback, uh, was disruptive. So there are a lot of good names on the defense. Uh I have an old man Yells at Cloud comment, similar to your cowboy comment. Can I get that off real quick before yeah, we go please, any deeper? Please do. Okay. Oklahoma State runs the 3-4, but they do it in a way that a lot of college teams do it, where they have a guy that's labeled an edge rusher. Okay. And so they'll run a 3-4, but it's basically a 4-3 with the edge rusher standing up at the line of scrimmage, a two-point stance. Oklahoma State does this. I watched their entire game against Iowa State. It is not a coverage thing. It is not a pass rushing thing. On every single down, the player standing up in the two-point stance rushes like a normal end would, which brings to me two questions. One, if you believe this is a more effective way of rushing or getting pressure, why not have your other end do it? And secondly, if this is a coverage thing, why does that guy always rush or his first step is to the line of scrimmage, no matter what, if there's a tight end there, if, you know, if he's covered, if he's not, whatever, it seems very ineffective. And he doesn't play horizontal like some teams do with the read option. I know Oklahoma state's not the only team that does this. Um, He, he dives in a lot. Um, A couple of times he was the backside defender. uh, If Sand if uh, Brock Purdy had kept, but he didn't. So that's my old man yells at cloud is that this is very dumb, and I don't understand why teams do it. If you're not going to switch it up, it's not just one player that does it. They do it on both sides, strong side and weak side. They alternated it, it. It's, it's very frustrating Parker.
1: Do you know, do you know who the comedian James Gregory is? He's, I don't. He's old and he's very Southern. He's kind of a Jerry Clower type. And, uh, he has okay. this bit and he talks about getting mad at dumb things. And that's what happens when you get older. Mm-hmm. And he says, uh, You know, there's just some things that ought to be yellow, and damn it, mustard is one of them. That's kind of what, in the same way that this irks me, it's like his hand ought to be in the ground, damn it. Like, he's a defensive end. I don't understand this.
0: Don't call him an edge. Yeah. He's an end. I know what he is. Anyway. um, Um, But Oklahoma Oklahoma State's defensive. Better.
1: It's better. They've got a lot of experience. Uh, Colby Harvey Peel has been been excellent in the secondary, um, and he's going to – He's going to be a, a a top three round draft pick for sure this year. Um, I will say, uh, Rodarius Williams left the game Saturday. I have not yeah. seen anything yep. about his yep. status, but basically Texas Tech scored because uh, our, our friend Eric Izukama uh, just was able to tear up whatever backup cornerback was in there because he was out. So um, he does that pretty well. That's something. Yeah. yeah, he does. That's something to watch. Um, I guess what I'm saying is CJ Caesar, you're not alone. Uh, and, and and so that's something to watch. I also we we said Tevin Jenkins is out, so there's some uncertainty in the offensive line. I think we I didn't know if we talked about that on air or just just offline, but I wanted yeah, to say we that did, out loud. We did. Okay. Um yeah, so so Oklahoma State's defense, 39.9% success rate. Uh, against the rush, which is 38th in the nation. And then 34.5, 30 point, 34.9% success rate against the pass, which is 15th in the nation. Um, uh, they're, they're, they're really, really good on standard downs. So standard downs is kind of, there's no tendency. It's not third and long. It's, you know, kind of your first and open your second and open, no obvious situations. Um, and, and, and Oklahoma state is, uh, allowing a 42.5% success rate, which is 20th overall. Um, that goes to 43% in the open field. So kind of outside the red zone and outside of, uh, being backed up. Uh, the other thing that really, really comes out to me with how thin TCU is at the, uh, at the offensive line is that when they blitz, uh, on blitz downs, they're, they're, they're fourth in success rate. So in, in kind of those like long, you're going to pass, we're going to bring somebody situations. They are pretty disruptive and TCU loves to be in those long passing down situations and their offensive line has, has struggled and their defensive communication, or excuse me, their pass block communication has, has, has really struggled in some of those situations. And so that worries me a little bit.
0: It worries me too. And I will say my other worry there is that we talked a little bit earlier this episode about how Oklahoma State's defense, they may not be all world defenders, but they are experienced and they do have a lot of, talent, uh, you know, age on the back end. And I think that will benefit the Cowboys if plays do break down and Duggan has to run out of the pocket receivers has to kind of go on their own um, Oklahoma State will benefit from that because they will be able to cover those kind of broken plays better. That's one intangible that experience does give you. Um, I know you don't want to talk about intangibles, but it is true. So I am worried about oh, that.
1: Absolutely. Um, the other the other thing that kind of stood out to me looking at my numbers is just that um, Oklahoma State's allowing uh, a, a first down on early downs, so like avoiding a third down in a series, seventy two percent of the time, which is eighty six. So so that's pretty bad. Um, in terms of they're, they're giving you opportunities to move the ball early and then kind of shutting you down late third and fourth down success rate. they're sixth in the nation, 31%. And so I'm counting that grant as uh, that, that, that's something that I've played around with that. I, I, I kind of think I like here is if you fail on a third down, but you succeed on a fourth down, I give you one out of one. But if you fail on a third okay. down and punt it, or you fail on a third down and you fail on a fourth down, I give you O out of 1 or O out of 2. So just kind yeah. of double counting those there, or not double counting those, but saying, if you try to extend a drive, what's your rated extending drives? And they're sixth yep. in the nation at preventing that. TCU is 37.5 on third and fourth downs, 96 in the nation. So if TCU can't take advantage of these early downs, if they can't get ahead of the chains, if they're running inside zone for three yards on first down, it's going to be a long day because Oklahoma state in in third down situations and in those blitz down situations is just lethal.
0: I'm going to say something that's very um, reductive. If you want a blueprint on how to beat Oklahoma state, uh, watch what Oklahoma did. I know the answer there is kind of just like have five stars, but it's also like, Hey, that's how you break down that Oklahoma state defense because I, I was going to watch that game. Um, to prepare for the TCU Oklahoma State game And then I thought, A, I watched the first half of that game So I remember what happened and kind of the, the uh, overall thing And B, uh, TCU's not going to do any of that shit So there's no point in comparing them
1: No, um, and, and what's that's, crazy that's the Blueprint. So I listened to our friends um, And if you're listening to this You should absolutely go listen to um, our friend Adam Lunt Who's been on the podcast numerous yes. times uh, And and will be again uh, Should the world not end um, His podcast Tape Doesn't Lie Uh, They go, they go pretty in depth about Oklahoma state. And he was talking about Gundy and Gundy's comments about their turnovers. I think they had two fumbles last week Mm -hmm. and how Gundy is kind of saying like, Hey, we want to play field position. We're going to flip the field, yada, yada. And I I mean, this could be an ugly game, man. Uh, If, if Gundy kind of turtles up and says like, Hey, we were a little reckless on offense last week and TCU does its normal thing yeah uh, just shows up and is what it is you could this could be one could be real quick but two could be
0: real weird could be really weird okay parker i'm going to uh put my foot down and we're going to go rapid fire here okay uh, because we're already approaching 50 minutes so we have a lot of twitter questions that i want oh my to get gosh. to um yeah flew by. I know. good for us what great fly by. Time, time flies when you're having fun um predictions best case parker what's the best case
1: i think best case is that uh Oklahoma state's defense is overblown and TCU's defense is underrated, which would be um, kind of uh, th- that's the narrative that I'm hearing about this game and reading and previews. I think that TCU, Kari Coleman and, and Oshan Mathis continue their excellence against an offensive line that is um, struggling uh, and, and are able to get to Spencer Sanders. Tylen Wallace gets no deep balls. Oklahoma state says, fine, we're going to run it. And TCU says, okay, well, we fixed our run fit issues and TCU wins this game. Something like 21-6,
0: 21-13. Mm, okay. Uh, I'm going to do a so, little something similar to that. I do think Oklahoma State will get a touchdown on a deep pass play, whether that's to Tylen Wallace or to Dylan Stoner. I think it's kind of inevitable. Um, but I will piggyback off of you for the rest of it and I'll call it 2117 TCU. Uh, as far as worst case goes, there are a lot of busted pass plays, Parker, and uh, Chuba Hubbard gets free as well if TCU tries to sell out on that end. Uh, the experience at the back end for Oklahoma State helps, as does the pass rush, and it's something like 31-10 to 10 Oklahoma State.
1: Yeah, I want to talk myself into reality where like TCU could give up 40 points, but I just don't – this offense isn't that good. I don't think 40. No, I don't think 40. No, don't think 40 but So I'm actually yeah. going to put a bigger ceiling on that and say – if you thought the West Virginia game was bad, wait for the eighteen to three Oklahoma State ooh, TCU game. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, the
0: NDGs, man. You know, I'm sorry gross. for calling
1: that into existence. I'm sorry for for putting that in the universe, but man, it would be real bad.
0: It's gonna be terrible. Um, what do you think is actually gonna happen?
1: Uh, So my model has it pretty close. Has Oklahoma state 51% uh, win probability has Oklahoma state only scoring 18 points against his TCU defense and has TCU scoring just under 15. So if I round that up, we're basically saying under 20 points uh, for each team. And we're saying uh, a three ish point margin. And that feels about right. So I'm actually going to bump that up a little bit and say 21, 18 Oklahoma state.
0: Okay. Uh, I'm I'm feeling frisky tonight. I'm gonna go ahead and call it TCU win here, but I'm going to say it's going to be a field goal laden game. Give me, give me, uh, man, twenty three to twenty TCU.
1: What have the past scores been like? What's the crazy? Uh, they Um,
0: because
1: I'm trying to think. Like so, this has always been kind of an offensive game. Like like 2018 with yeah, TCU 42 one, to nine.
0: Scored. Um, let's see, 31-24, last year was 34-27, they haven't made any like really weird scores, 45-29, uh, Oklahoma State beat TCU in 2015, 31-6, that game was awful, 44-31 was the really funny interception, um, oh no, that was 2018, 31-24, so no like weird scores or anything. interesting
1: yeah so so all right around that where it's kind of like hey the offense wins a couple and the defense generally kind of holds because that's you know 31 points is less than less than 2.7 points per drive generally if we're just kind of yeah um, so yeah yeah I, I i think this will be a little bit lower scoring than kind of their average for sure so
0: yeah i agree uh, okay you want to do twitter questions
1: <laughs> yeah what do we got one how about my photoshop right, job man i'm really proud yeah, of that well
0: done we have several Apollo Creed themed questions we need to get to. Um, so just just prepare for that. Okay. Uh, from our friend at Yale. I'll talk MK, about Rocky starts-
1: as long as you let me. So <laughs> did you know that all the clothes <laughs> to save money on this on the shoot? All the clothes in the first Rocky movie came out of Sylvester Salone's pocket. Like his his closet. Literally I did not know Sylvester Salone was giving was given so many opportunities to sell the movie for a ton of money. And he said, no, I'm Rocky. Like, I'm not selling you the script. I'm selling you the script with me acting in it. And so, uh, and so they did all sorts of stuff to save budgets because he took way less money for it. So he could play Rocky.
0: I did not know you were such a big Rocky guy.
1: Oh, big fan, big fan.
0: I, one of my dad's favorite lines is I think it's Rocky five. Uh, the worst of the Rockies, but it's uh, he's I think he's about to fight Tommy Gunn in the street, and uh, that did happen. Polly or not, Polly Mickey, it, it, whatever one of them asked for help, and he goes, "Oh, it's Polly." He's, "Hey, do you need <laughs> help?" Because he it's not a pie eating contest. <laughs> uh, so is that Polly or Mickey? Anyway, that's one of my dad's favorite.
1: That's lives. definitely Polly. Um, Mickey's dead by that point. Polly.
0: Mickey's dead by. I get the two confused. Yeah. R.I.P. Mickey. uh, From Yell MK, three part question: Does it matter if Chuba plays, or does OSU use backs interchangeably? Um. <laughs> It matters like two percent. Chuba's good, but I think they'll still use their backs uh, interchangeably. And LD uh Brown is is pretty decent.
1: And Des What's his name was fine. Like he rushed for like 5.9 yeah. against Texas yeah, Tech last
0: week. Yeah. Um yeah.
1: Yeah, Des, so, so uh, I think I think yeah. the 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 nuanced answer there that's not the LOL running backs don't matter meme is is saying that running back success is largely a function of context. And so Chuba mm-hmm. Hubbard versus De- I think his name is Des Jackson. Uh, Desmond Jackson uh, Ch- yes Ch- Chuba Hubbard versus Jackson Is just shifting the mean of potential Outcomes up a little bit But on average your kind of median outcome Is not going to change very much It, it shifts your sure. possibilities but it doesn't Really not not in a way that's going to Dramatically change the outcome of the game
0: Right you use an earlier example this is not Barry Sanders um, It's not. Name a tradition Dumber than the OSU student paddle slap Trick question you can't Fair it is very dumb. I will also give a shout out to the Baylor, uh, the Baylor line, which is Baylor a line is very bad. Um, it is very dumb.
1: I'm drawing a blank. Cause there was one earlier today. I thought about
0: the Cameron crazies, but that's just a personal. Um, yeah, no, hatred. that's
1: objectively awesome. You're biased. Um,
0: yeah, nerds just painting themselves blue and white. It's fantastic.
1: I here's my, here's I, I'm doubling down on this Texas state has a catchphrase other than Bobum cats and that is the lamest uh that's lamer, that's dumber <laughs> than the paddle slap so
0: what i what i like is texas state uh when, when a lot of my friends with the t- texas state i've been in their graduations and when they graduate they jump into the uh the river there that runs through campus and all of them hate it no one's excited to do it They're like, They're all right gotta jump with the river now in my graduation robe and then hop in it's very dumb um, and then finally, which coach would you prefer to spend a long evening with? Old-fashioned guitar by the fire stories of the days of yore between Patterson and Gundy. Uh, Patterson knows how to play the guitar, so I'll take Gary. I bet he knows Tulsa time.
1: Oh, I guarantee Gary Patterson was sing Tulsa time for us. Um, yeah, I... You're
0: not taking Gundy.
1: Here's the question. Like, honestly, if I'm an Oklahoma State fan, I'm probably answering this differently, and I understand that. But, like, I know everything about Mike Gundy that I need to know at this point. And I know everything... I know most of what I need to know about Gary Patterson. <laughs> I'm just f- more fine with Gary than I am with Mike. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, okay. From at uh, midnight, derifto team radar. Love does anyone keep statistics on the success rate of trick plays? Feels like we always have some silly double reverse double run for uh, plus or minus one yard every game. If there's a newt in the backfield. And I'm curious if there's any numbers to back that up. Shout out again to the Oklahoma state trick play that cost them the game, uh, which I will never, ever forget. For I, being I, very funny.
1: I feel better uh, making fun of this now that Carter Ware has a touchdown, which I'm so happy about. But TCU against Oklahoma ran the monster formation where they had three linemen in and their two tackles were split out wide. And they threw a like 12-yard jump ball to Carter Ware out of that. Um, TCU just has some baffling trick plays. I will say that people are probably using trick plays too often. On average, this is something you could empirically look at. I have a little bit of data I can do something with about this, uh, and so maybe I'll just do it TCU centric. But this is definitely probably an off season. This is this is an off season question, I think. But but it does feel like TCU runs kind of quote unquote trick plays at more inopportune times. The counterfactual there though, is like you think about Iowa state in 2014, TC was struggling to score. So they ran that kind of boy can listen, be thrown back that they had run four or five times. And here's the thing. It doesn't really matter if it's a trick play. If your athletes are way more talented than the other team, uh, like it. Yes. TC was going to end up running over Iowa state regardless. I guess that was 2015. I'm sorry. Um, no,
0: it was, it was, it was 14. No, no, it was the year no. Year they went almost went to the playoff.
1: Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So whichever whichever one that was, they died to three. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, they like struggled to score at the beginning and they ran a trick play. And so I, I think you kind of look at three situations. If you're way better than the other team, you're going to run a trick play and it's probably going to be successful because you're way better than them. And you shouldn't run a trick play if you're way worse. Uh, it's probably also going to fail. And if they're even, maybe you'll have an element of surprise. I think I think quote unquote trick plays are are probably overused.
0: I think they're overused. I think my favorite result of a trick play is an eight-yard completion because it's like you went through all that work to get an out route. Like uh, the bank, uh, Muhammad Sanu uh, in the NFL played for like the Bengals and the Falcons oh, and all that. I think he's on a roster somewhere. And, uh, he used to be a quarterback uh, in college. I think he's a receiver now. But uh, any team that had that had him would, would put him in to be like, all right, you know, we're going to run the wildcat. Then Muhammad's going to throw it, and then half the time it broke down and he just threw like a five-yard out. It's like when well, you could have had an actual quarterback to that. Anyway, yeah, that always makes me laugh. I think with the um, the um, Darius
1: Davis reverse, uh, or it was like a jet sweep yeah. pass or something against Kansas. The announcers literally said that was a lot of work for a seven yard game. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah seven exactly. yards, like awesome, <laughs> but it was. You're right, it was a lot of work for seven yard game against
0: Front <laughs> inside zone uh, from Matt Jennings, who is the Apollo Creed, whose death is mm-hmm. motivating Gary into grudge match. Um. Justin Fuente?
1: I have a lot of terrible answers that came to my head. I'm <laughs> glad I didn't say any of them instinctively. Um, Justin Fuente is about to be a casualty, so that could that could definitely do it. I've got to think about this. Who did Gundy kill in an exhibition match? It's Gary Patterson. Man, I want to have something clever for this, but I don't know. I don't know that I do. I, I don't know if I know my the Collins? Um, It's Mike Collins. That's the answer. You're right. I can't believe I didn't think about this. This is Mike Collins. Yeah, Mike Collins Collins. did nothing wrong. This back-to-back right here is the Mike Collins uh, vengeance tour.
0: (laughs) One for one, baby. Uh, Let's see. Uh, We're going to hop into the DMs now. I assume you have some. I'll go ahead and do mine from at Troy Whelan. Uh, R.I.P. 3715 Shelby Youth Hostel, where we used to live together. Uh, Rocky said, yo, Adrian, I did it after his fight against Apollo Creed. Little slightly different question here. Who would Gary call out in similar fashion if TC wins? Jerry, kill.
1: Yeah, yo, Jerry, we did it. I don't know. Given the press conference, I can't believe we didn't read that at the beginning of the podcast. Wasted opportunity. <laughs> the entire, he the would,
0: entire testimony of the press conference.
1: Maybe he would just call out me at this point. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yo, Parker, I did it.
1: <laughs> Gosh, um, I'm going to write a book about my my long friendship with Gary Patterson after this uh, season. Uh, Jerry kill is a good answer too. It's a, yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I have, yeah, I have a couple. Um, so Clint Foster asked what the worst hairstyle coach P could have. And I don't have an answer for that, but I will just take an opportunity to give some free press and say, Clint's been doing these reaction videos and the self-confidence it takes to just film yourself for like 10 minutes and, and do a bit is in very impressive to me. And they're, they're yes, funny and they're like good, concise, kind of alternate ways to look at a game. So check out Clint uh, and his, uh, his, his TCU reaction videos. I think I retweeted the Kansas one that was pretty funny um, recently. Uh,
0: do, you, do you think, because Patterson's hairdo now is not good.
1: The it's delegate kind of like from a, the Democratic kind of People's Republic of Stats War has no comment on this. Okay,
0: issue. I'm saying I, I, I would take his now over Gundy's.
1: I think I Patterson's has gotten better. I think he was he was mushroom top t- for yeah. a little bit.
0: Yeah. Two thousand two thousand fourteen Patterson is tough to look at. I, I want to see him with the uh Jamie Dixon slick back and just like transplant on there and see what the hell that turns out to be. And
1: well, do you remember this? I so this was like year one. Gosh, this is niche. But we're gonna we're gonna talk about TCU basketball, I think. So we'll get there. But uh Jamie Dixon in year one like evidently got a purple coat, a suit coat on back order. Because it was like seven mm. sizes too big. It yes, was huge. Yep, yep, he looked like a yep. guy from like, um, uh, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy or whatever, like nineteen nineties, <laughs> like ska
0: <laughs> jazz band.
1: It's like the shoulders were like out to here. I just have no idea. Um. So is yeah,
0: J.V. Dixon fronting for the Mighty Mighty Bosstones. <laughs> That's <what it> like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Um Uh, okay,
1: so I I think I have two more. So so uh one 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 another funny one and then a serious one, and we'll get out of here. Uh Cowboys Ride for Free says uh the Oklahoma State Espionation blog says, What's your favorite coach Patterson song? So I'm just gonna say, are you a take a step back or a game on man?
0: Oh uh take a step back. Take a step back is good. I am Uh, well I I'm gonna walk that take a step back is fine.
1: I'm gonna throw a curveball. I think his live rendition of Small Town Saturday Night is uh, is his it's best not song.
0: Bad. Sure, I tweeted this. Um, take a step back was either on my Discover Weekly or my oh it was on my Spotify Daily Mix for country Interesting.
1: music. Interesting.
0: Interesting. Um, I had to stare at a wall for about 20 minutes after that to kind of re re. You, you had um, to take a step back things.
1: after you saw that. Is that what you're take,
0: telling take a, me? Take a step back is not bad. <laughs> it is not bad. It's not, <laughs> not the whistling is fun
1: it is it is fun uh it's a good use of uh, downtime during the during the i'm moment.
0: i'm i'm happy he did it
1: uh the the last one comes in the dms i hope i hope our friend will taylor uh doesn't doesn't mind me kind of spoiling this he and i were just chatting and he was just saying what did you have tcu's conference record being before the season and uh what did you <laughs> what what's like what are the games you you kind of missed on or you thought like oh shoot i thought they were going to win this and so I looked back and I'm trying and to remember, I, I, we wrote this down, but then I've moved like three times since then, because life is just nothing evidently. But I think I had picked TCU beating Baylor tech, Kansas, Kansas state and Texas. And I had them at five and four. I think I talked myself into five and four, uh, on the season. Cause cause eight wins would have been Cal FCS and SMU. And so I think I had the eight wins. And and so I think I had those four. And I think the Kansas state game this year is really the one that just grinds my gears.
0: It grinds my gears too. I'm looking because I still have my, um, my notes on my phone. And I wonder if I have our predictions from that. It does not look like I wrote
1: them down in the Athlon preview magazine that I cannot find. So
0: cool. Well, um, you yeah, the, right I, here, I, yeah, I had. Oh, you're right. I can. Um, no, I think I had CCU going eight and three in conference, which was admittedly uh, adventurous. Not eight and three in conference. Uh, that's dumb. Uh, I think Good I had time. them with uh, yes yeah, six and yes. three in conference. Because
1: I think uh, I think you guys because we had Matt on the podcast. I said
0: Oklahoma was a loss. I think you yeah, guys we had, had Matt on the podcast predicting. Uh,
1: you had Iowa State where I didn't have Iowa State, and so that would have been six and three versus five and four.
0: Yes, I think that's exactly right. I think I had them going nine and three. I think I had them beating Cal, SMU, and whatever FCS team. I yeah. can't remember at this point. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, Kansas State's the one that really makes me mad. Same. Yeah. I should have won that. Dag- I mean, I should have won I was State with if it would have played the correct quarterback for um, thirty minutes.
1: Or charitably, but, if their correct quarterback had been, you know, capable. But either way, yes, yes. yes way, way, if, honestly, if we were dude, sure
0: the correct quarterback.
1: Honestly, been, dude. Yeah. If if TCU just hadn't gotten bracketed in the safeties by that thing Matt Campbell had on film, like Matt Campbell outsmarted TCU for three big runs and it was all on defense. Like, I could even say that. I don't even uh, care about the quarterback that's, that's issue. A,
0: that's, a, that's, that's a harsh reading. I mean, no, we were no. just talking about how explosiveness is random. It comes down to volume. And yes, then, but,
1: against, yeah. but against Iowa State, literally – Matt Campbell had had done the, did the same thing on all three explosive he runs. Did, he did. He did. Where he did. the the wide receiver came over. No, and I know we Boston talked about it, 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 It's like that's Iana. that's a thing that's like TCU hasn't done that again, um, and and so I think if that if if that hadn't been an issue that that's bigger than the quarterback for me because TCU scored plenty of points to win that game. Yeah.
0: I think I think Kansas State did it because I remember talking about holy hell this <laughs> just happened two weeks in a row. Kansas State did the,
1: the Kansas uh State. Kansas State got got us on a an RPO draw and then Washington took a bad fit. I have all these I'm so damn scatterbrained. Yeah. I have all these screenshots pulled because I was like, Let me write about all of TCU's big plays and then it just got so big I haven't finished it yet. But I,
0: it, I'll wrap <laughs> that. yeah. Uh, okay. um Speaking of wrapping up, uh, I will have, uh, as promised, because uh, Parker will fire me if mm-hmm. I don't. I will have the uh, Max Duggan single high safety recap on Friday. Uh, I'm saving it for Friday so that uh, Oklahoma State does not have time to read it and prepare for their game. Um, so I'm trying to help out the team here. Um, I'm doing my part. Uh, Parker will have his 2,000 words coffee fueled analysis on um, the Pro Wells play Saturday morning, and this will be up. Uh, tomorrow morning along and, with five State preview.
1: I'll, yeah, I'll have an advanced stat preview. I'm not committing Perfect. to Thursday or Friday, but one of those days.
0: One of those days. I will have my preview column with a couple of analysis of Oklahoma State plays and storylines and schemes tomorrow morning. Um, other than that, find us on Twitter. Uh, Parker is at StatsOWar. Uh, I am at Great McGalliard, spelled like it sounds uh, with all those vowels. Parker, mm-hmm. am I missing anything? It's been Uh, a while since I've driven, I don't remember.
1: Go Frogs, man.
0: Go Frogs. We'll see y'all Sunday.